So today we're going to be learning a way to spiritually translate the stories in the Torah in a more personal, relevant manner for each individual. The truth is, this is true of the entire Torah. Whatever we're learning in the Torah, whatever the story is, whatever the mitzvah is, ultimately needs to be translated into a language that each person can then apply to their lives. But in particular, this whole story of going down to Egypt and coming out of Egypt, which is the primary story in the entire Torah. Mm -hmm. All the stories in, in Bereshit, you know, sometimes there are four or five stories in one parsha. But this theme of, of coming out of Egypt will be with us until the end of the Torah. Because the 40 years of wandering in the desert is an extension of coming out of Egypt until we come into the, the Promised Land. So there are many, many different ways to look at this. Shivim Panim the Torah. There's 70 faces to the Torah. So over the next few weeks, we're going to choose a few faces of the Torah in which to understand this metaphor of coming out of Egypt. So the, first, the place where we'll start is simply with the word Mitzrayim. As probably everyone has heard that the word Mitzrayim is the three-letter root is Meitzar, and the two-letter gate is Tsar. So this already tells us what Mitzrayim is. Tsar means sorrow, pain, and it also means narrow. This we know from Rabbi Nachman, Kala Olam Kulo, Gesher Tsar Ma'od. This whole world is a very narrow bridge. The Mitzrayim is a narrow place. But we have a, a little bit of a paradox right from the beginning because the, the Egypt that we're talking about was a, like a great civilization. It was, at that time, it was the greatest civilization. So what's so narrow about it? What's so narrow about it? It was rich, it was opulent, it was powerful. <clears throat> but everything is perspective. That's why in this week's portion, in the plague of the darkness, it says there was darkness all over Egypt. It says, but in the houses of the Jews there was light. So the Slonim Rebbe explains a little bit differently than we usually think. We think of darkness as darkness. And of course that is the simple meaning. But he was explaining a much deeper level by saying that the darkness that was in Egypt, it really was a great light. But if you're not used to the light, then it appears to be dark. It's blinding. It appears to be dark. So what the Egyptians experienced as darkness, we were experiencing as light. So here we have the opposite. What, let's say, the Egyptians were experiencing as this uh, broad-based society, we were experiencing as being very narrow. Because from a spiritual point of view, Mitzrayim was very narrow. That's why... Many of us, once we've been in Israel a while, and we go back to the States, 
a whole different experience before we came to Israel. It's the same physical place, but we look at it very different, and we experience it, not just look at it, we experience it very, very differently. Very, very differently. I didn't hear the connection between like, the because, the darkness and light. Because it, it, that's the paradox. Mitzrayim, like I said, was a wealthy, powerful society. So what's so narrow about it? <coughs> but if you look at it from a spiritual point of view, it's, it's materialism created for someone who is primarily trying to experience the world through the perspective of the soul and it becomes very narrow the experience of Mitzrayim becomes very narrow even though from a material point of view it's wide open so this this paradox is related in what you just brought up that in the in the parable of Kabbalah going into Egypt is a metaphor for an infinite eternal soul coming into a very narrow body and very narrow physical material world. So therefore the entire story of coming down to Egypt and then coming out of Egypt receiving the Torah and wandering in the desert until we come into Israel becomes a metaphor for the life of each soul coming into the world and its challenge to bridge the gap between a pure spiritual soul and a physical material body and world. And so in, in the initial shock of where the soul finds itself, the body and the world is a very narrow place. Through the Torah, as we'll see, we can broaden the, the relationship between soul and body, between spiritual and physical. Now the idea is that we're supposed to get out of Mitzrayim. <clears throat> but the soul remains in the body. Soul is still in the body. So the solution, in a sense, is to widen our consciousness that it doesn't feel to be so constrictive. That we can turn the physical, material world into a broad place in which the soul and the body can live peacefully and accomplish the, the, the purpose of being here in the first place. So I'm just saying this very generally as this is the big picture of the, of the metaphor of getting out of Egypt is obviously talking from a historical national point of view but it's talking to each individual. And that we'll see right now where we're going to take the five levels of the soul and we're going to correlate them to the five expressions of redemption. In last week's Parsha, God uses five uh, verbs to describe the process of redemption. 
And we're going to see that these five can, can be seen to correspond to not just a national salvation, but really what each individual needs to go through in order to, in a sense, free itself from the bonds of the physical world. So the five, what are called the five expressions of redemption, to which the four cups of wine on Pesach and the fifth cup that we pour for, uh, for Eliyahu correspond to these five expressions. So the first one is the Hotseiti, I will take you out. And I'll, I'll go back and explain, but this corresponds to the Nefesh. We'll go back and explain. The second one is the Hitzalti, and I will save you. This is the Ruach. Vigalti, I will redeem you. This is the Neshama. Vilakachti, and I will take you. This is the Chaya. The Hebeti, I will bring you. Uh, this is the Yechida. Okay, so let's, let's go back. And we'll start from the beginning. So first let's understand from a historical and national point of view what these words mean. I will take you out. Means I, I will... I mean, this is just what the verses say. I will take you out from the burdens of Mitzrayim. So the first level of coming out of Egypt is I will take you from beneath the, the, the slavery, the burdens of Mitzrayim. So what this means from a national point of view is that the slavery should stop. And we're told that once the plagues started, even though they didn't let us go, the slavery stopped. They were scared enough that the slavery stopped. But we're still in Egypt. But the slavery stopped. What did we do? What did we do? Like everyone else, we waited for the story to play itself out. Or we recovered. We recovered from 80 years of, uh, of trauma. We're told at the beginning of the, of the plagues. At the beginning. A year. The whole process of the ten plagues lasted almost a year. Each plague, uh, there's two versions. One is that the plague lasted a week, and then there was three weeks in between each plague. The other version is that each plague lasted three weeks, and there was a week between. But everyone says there was a, each plague was approximately a month. So on the level of nefesh, so you know, what does it mean to us? So we're learning what it means on the national level and what it means on the personal level. On the personal level, it means to come out of the burdens of Egypt means that the nefesh needs to come out of its bondage to the body. To desire passion uh, habit uh, uh, boredom <laughs> lethargy however you want to say it however you want to 
explain it. But this is the first level of coming out of Egypt. Is the nefesh needs to get from underneath the burden of the body and be ruled by the body. Because the body does rule us until we free ourselves. Short of freeing ourselves, we are in bondage to our to our, our bodies, to our hormones, to our our instincts, our behaviors, our nature, our nurture. It all comes under nefesh. Not just our body, but just um, the, uh, add nature and nurture. In other words, what we become accustomed to, what patterns we fall into, especially from youth, and we don't even remember how we got into them, and, and we kind of like stuck with them our whole lives because we just don't even remember how we even started in certain thought patterns. So that's the first level of Yitzhiat Mitzrayim. Is the nefesh needs to come out from its burden of being underneath the body. It's, it's in a sense, that's what the Torah is telling us. It's an automatic, we all go into slavery. By the soul coming down to the body, that is an existential state of, of uh, slavery. But what the Torah is telling us, there's a way out. There's a way out. We're not stuck there. But we have to make the uh, efforts. Okay, so the next one is the Hitzalti. I will save you. So on a national level, what this means is I will take you out of the borders of Egypt. Now what this means is that we, the expression is you could take a Jew out of Mitzrayim but it's not as so easy to take Mitzrayim out of the Jew so in other words, okay, we're now we've, we're now saved from the burdens of Mitzrayim but we all know the the impression that is left from nature and nurture it leaves sometimes very deep marks and impressions so coming out of the borders of Mitzrayim is the first step it doesn't mean we're, we're, we can still have Mitzrayim in us but this goes along very well with the expression uh, if you want to change your mazal change your place that sometimes let's say whatever it is is a relationship a job a habit and we we free ourselves we quit the job we either get out of the relationship or we fix the relationship whatever it is but we're still in the same place like we have and we haven't and sometimes it means remember the ruach is emotion ruach is the realm of the emotions so now we're out of the physical body, let's say, I don't know, someone smokes for 40 years and then they quit. They broke it. They're not enslaved by smoking anymore. But, emotionally, like let's say they put on, you know, 50 pounds, 
because they, they're so stuck to like eating let's say they start eating instead of smoking so they got out of one bondage but they're not out of the borders right they just replaced it with something else so that's the emotional coming out of Egypt and not only do we have to let's say change our nature and nurture and our enslavement to our habits and our body but then we have to emotionally deal with it <coughs> to, to really get out okay then the Ga'alti I will redeem you so we're told that this means coming through the sea so what does this mean because we, they, we read in the Haggadah that there were even greater miracles at the sea than even the ten, the ten plagues so there was another level of redemption that still needed to be revealed. And there, during the ten plagues, it doesn't say that we had like a vision of God. But when we came up through the Red Sea, we did have a vision of God. We did have a vision of God. It was like a whole new level of consciousness. And this is, corresponds to the Neshama. And the Neshama is the intellect. So as we said, the way we relate to being in a physical body, a physical world, (coughs) it begins as a very narrow place, Mitzrayim, Sar. But even when we come out of Egypt, we're still a soul and a body, and we're still in the physical world. That doesn't change. But what changes is our consciousness. That's what changes we just start to see something from a broader consciousness. And what we originally experienced as being very narrow is now that we can make it very broad. And this is very interesting because when do we come through the sea? When we come through the sea, it's on the seventh day of Pesach. And the text says that like the people thought they were out. And then they look behind them, and here come the Egyptians. So this is uh, a beautiful metaphor also for psychology and healing, is that sometimes we get to the first two steps, the nefesh and the ruach, even emotionally, we're like, we get out of it. And then a week later, a month later, a year later, we look behind us, and look who's coming after us. Same stuff. And so, that, let's say that first euphoria, that like, I'm out. I did it. I broke through. Here it comes again. So, the ga'alti relates to that kind of redemption. When you, and that, that, in, that needs going to the sea. Is it... In, in relationship to the first two levels, we'll see, even though it appeared to be like terribly difficult, but in relationship we'll see we need to go through the sea. We have to totally break through. We thought we broke through, but now we see, no, it's coming right behind us. And this depends on a broader consciousness. Because we dealt with it emotionally, but now the intellect has to start to rule and not our emotions this is a big thing in the Hasidut between the heart and the mind 
that sometimes the mind has to listen to the heart but the general rule is the mind must rule over the heart even though there are those times where the heart can reach so much deeper than the mind can ever but in general the mind has to rule over the heart in a sense is that like the first historical bridge that the Jews crossed like that when they went through the sea to the other side I mean what popped into my head is something before but that was an individual this is like big time what I think of is Avram Avinu because he's, he's called an Ivri a Hebrew from the word Over that he crossed the river it's interesting because I thought right? of Yaakov <coughs> he also, also when Yaakov fights with the angel he also crosses over a river so the, the parallels are, are definitely there but those are individuals but remember we've, we've learned consistently ma'aseh avot simen lebanim the acts of the fathers and mothers are assigned to the children so Avram everyone brings us this down Avram being able to cross over paves the way for every Jew and every generation to be able to do the same crossing the Red Sea though becomes the like big manifestation of this idea when they cross over and there was a song some of the sea <clears throat> I know there's a lot of acknowledgement about the song and the transformation of the people that the women go through at that point is there an understanding that there is some kind of change in their soul at that point when they really crossed over and are beginning a journey as kind of newborn Jews I would say for sure for sure because they said what they experienced at the sea even Ezekiel in his vision of the chariot did not see what they saw that's what it's brought down and we're talking about everyone in fact it says even a, a, a handmaiden experienced at the sea what Ezekiel did not experience with the chariot did they maintain that forever? Obviously not. But again, going back to what we've learned, is that even even high souls make mistakes. But what they've achieved is not taken away from them. So what they achieved at the sea, like they they kept. And then some people failed some people fell short um, but like like you said the idea of <coughs> that generation maybe that's all they could accomplish and so therefore they certainly get credit for that they get great credit they were the generation that left Egypt like wow wow but they didn't merit to come into the Holy Land okay next time around they had, had another chance but what they accomplished Tremendous. Tremendous. Remember, that's one of the, what I think is comforting things about the idea of reincarnation is we would like to think it's all or nothing. But it's not. If we don't, if we don't 
make it to the 50th gate we'll learn a little bit about 50 very shortly if we don't make it to the, what's called the 50th gate then like we failed but it's not true because the picture of what our neshamas go through is much wider talking about Mitzrayim is it, remember that's what we learned that if we, if we look at life the way it is right now it appears to be very narrow like what we see is just so little of the bigger picture not only of our own soul but just everyone's soul what the whole world is going through we see like very narrow and, and our job in a sense is to widen our consciousness to see more and more of the bigger bigger picture okay the next <coughs> expression is the lakakti I will take you to me as a people and I will be your God that's what it says in the text according to tradition what is this talking about? the giving of the Torah it says I will take you and that's why (coughs) the image of the giving of the Torah especially in Kabbalah is always accompanied by images of a wedding because the word lakachti is used in the Torah when a man takes a wife and the, and the meaning of the text I will take you to me to be a people and I will be your God is the imagery of a wedding of, of, a, of a covenant so this relates to <coughs> the Chaya the level of Chaya and going back to the national and historic what this represents is we, we got out of the physical Mitzrayim <coughs> but to maintain that <coughs> we need the Torah in other words the Torah becomes the antidote of falling back <coughs> and being able to continually expand our consciousness and stay on the right path to get to Israel that's why the fifth expression is I will bring you into the land the giving of the Torah is not the final leg of the journey the final leg of the journey is to receive the Torah and bring it into Eretz Israel so in the level of personal it relates to the Chaya what is called the bridge between the conscious and the unconscious as we learned the neshama was the intellect and the Torah is our bridge between let's say the lower levels of consciousness our behavior, our emotions, our intellect and a higher level of consciousness And so therefore, getting out of Mitzrayim in this aspect is the ability to, let's say, buy into the Torah or let the Torah do its magic. You know, it's it's like Shabbos. We can intellectually make sense the day of rest makes sense but 
there's a level of Shabbos that's mystical that's, that's it's beyond logic and so many of the mitzvahs we can understand them from an emotional point of view an intellectual point of view but then there's a, a deeper spiritual mystical level that the soul resonates with this whole process is coming out of Mitzrayim so the idea is that the soul is now resonating with something that it, it really understands so what pops into my mind is this idea that we've learned that a baby is a fetus is taught the whole Torah in the womb and then it forgets it but impressed on the consciousness is the whole Torah so this level of coming out of Mitzrayim is now we're reconnecting with our spiritual roots here we're like beyond the intellect here and then the last one is the Hebeti which is I will bring you into the land and in this sense the land represents of course on a historical and national level Eretz Yisrael on a deeper soul level this represents the final stage of redemption also represents Gan Eden the world to come and all that that implies and this relates to the Yechida of the soul the unique point of godliness in each soul <clears throat> that unique point of godliness in a sense always feels like a stranger until it's in its own element and here Eretz Yisrael <clears throat> represents the soul returning completely to its, its, its source and that's why a, a, a tzaddik in many cases is operating from the yechida all the time that, that's why the consciousness is so broad is because it, it's no longer feeling all of the pull, all the tension between being a soul in this limited physical body and world it is experiencing everything from a purely spiritual point of view so that's like the last level of coming out of Mitzrayim is when the soul can paradoxically as we'll see in the second feel at home in this world so having said that will switch gears a little bit but you'll see how connected it is with that last statement because remember we learned that this whole imagery of going down into Egypt and coming out is the story of the soul in the body and the last step is for the soul to actually feel at home in the body in this world but that's highly paradoxical and, and I'll explain right now that the book of Shemot which opens up the whole story of the slavery even though it's hinted to in the end of Bereshit that that's what was coming 
but in the text itself it doesn't say it and so the, the book begins the Ela Shemot B'nai Yisrael Chaba'im Mitzrayim Yaakov Ish Ubeito Ba'u these are the names of the children of Israel and then in the present who are coming to Egypt Yaakov the man and his house came <clears throat> so everyone asks why is coming in the present because the end of the sentence is in the past Ba'u, they came so the two verbs in the sentence should be the same tense but it says coming so everyone learns out from this that this emphasizes that the story that we're about to read is a, is a present day story even though it's yes it's about people a long time ago and not just people our, our people and as we learn in reincarnation it's really about us because we were those people but even more than that is that the story is a current story about us now so is that why it's Yaakov and not Yisrael? It's not just no, in the beginning it's Yisrael yeah. and then it's Yaakov. Well, in general, we're told that when the name Yisrael is used, it's a more spiritual level. And when Yaakov is used, it's more the Yaakov who's struggling more in the world. That was a very general statement and not everyone agrees with this 100% but in most cases when it says Yisrael all of a sudden Yaakov is called Yisrael it alerts us that he's on a different level at this moment and we should look at that and try to understand it but in many sentences you actually have both in the same sentence so the, the other question is what's the significance of the names now this is, this is a whole long Torah but I'm just, I'm just trying to confine it to what we're learning here what, why, do, why does it say these are the names of the names so I could have said these this, these are the children of Israel who came to Mishnah the next verse Nick lists the, the twelve tribes so why does it have to say these are the names so there's uh, a beautiful Torah from Rob Ginsburg who explains us that there is a built-in existential paradox with the soul coming into the body. We're told that before the soul comes into the body, the soul says to God, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave here and in a sense God forces the soul to come into this world it's not a mystical uh, idea it says in Pirkei Avot it says we are born without choice and we die without choice we, we didn't have a choice there are times that the, the soul does volunteer but in general it, it is not, it's not given the choice and as we've learned uh, many different times the 
root of the soul remains above and that part of our soul that's in the body is actually a very small part of the soul for those people who do not look at life and make any effort to develop their souls so they go through life with having just a little bit of soul in their body idea of Torah and mitzvot and everything that goes with that prayer and meditation and all the spiritual practice we can think of the idea is to draw more of the soul into the body and that is what creates a broader consciousness every Shabbos we experience this in what's called Neshama Yatera we get an extra soul on Shabbos and so on Shabbos we feel so much so much deeper as, as human beings we feel so much such a greater uh, level of spirituality because we've connected to a deeper level of our own soul of our own soul but this sets up a attention in other words it's not what we think the whole soul comes into the body if most of the soul is rooted above then there's a constant tension between being in this world and not wanting to be in this world and this can be understood with a, 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 a famous disagreement between uh, Shammai and Hillel it said that they argued for three years that, that Shammai said it would have been better had we not been born and then Hillel said no it's better that we were born so everyone what were they arguing about <laughs> but what, we, what we've just said is like behind it there is this tension like where where does the soul belong it's in this world but it's really it's not, not of this world, world. so why is that punishment so harsh for someone who commits suicide okay you're, you're absolutely right but we're told that that's that's not the purpose in other words here, here's <clears throat> I'm just setting up the tension okay but this becomes the secret and this is uh, to me a very very deep understanding of why the Jewish people are so successful in the physical material world is because once we are sent we're sent on what's called shlichut shlichut with a, a, a mission we're, we're messengers even though we didn't want to come once we're sent then the job becomes to take on our mission and this has a lot to do with in a sense the argument of Moshe at the burning bush because the first thing that God says to him is take off your shoes 
because the place that you're standing is holy so how is that explained? shoes represent physicality that's why when they sold Yosef it says they sold him for 20 pieces of silver and the Midrash says what did they do with it? they went and bought shoes now it represents that they, they kind of lost all spiritual perspective and they like they were caught in the physical so God says to Moshe in order to be able to experience what I'm about to show you you have to divest from physicality and this has a lot to do with God calling Moshe Moshe with no line remember we learned every all the three other people were called by God by two names there's, there's a line not in the Torah but in the tradition if you look in the Chumash you'll see a, a black line Avram, Avram you'll see a black line Avram, Yaakov not Yitzhak Avram, Yaakov, Shmuel and Moshe were called twice by God only Moshe there's no line in between so God is saying take off your shoes and there will be no line between your upper what your upper neshama can experience of me and what your lower neshama can experience of me but Moshe argues with God he's unsure he's, un, he's unprepared he doesn't think he can do it <clears throat> this becomes a, yeah. what would he be without that you know it's like it's like a, a fear of uh, almost like dissolution, like that you would be dissolved in some way because you know yourself by, I mean, your physicality, your. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, so that, absolutely. That, and that, <coughs> I'm trying to say a lot at once, that becomes why it says these are the names. Because what is a name? A name is what we're called by and even even though in, in Torah we say a name is very important and not only that in Kabbalah we're told the name of something is its animating force it is what the name is but even having said that there's something beyond the name each one of us has a name and it's very important and we identify with it but does that mean that that's a total description of, of who we are on the highest soul level? No, well, we're, soul, we're beyond names. There must be a soul definition of the name, soul, and physical. And on the soul level also the name is very important. Very, very important. But still the same thing. God has names in this world but do we think that that's all God is? Are those names? Because names are important, you're almost like a tracking system, you know, like your email address. Oh, they're very important. I'm not taking. It's not the actual name, so that there can be the delivery. Okay. Okay, but you hear the point I'm trying to say. That there's a level of our neshama beyond the name. There's a level of God that's beyond a name. 
it's beyond the name. A name is more for this world. So these are the names of B'nai Yisrael. Yaakov and his house who came down to Mitzrayim. So Moshe arguing in a sense is every soul trying to come to terms with its mission in this world. God is saying, this is your mission. I have chosen you to be the leader. This is what you need to accomplish. And Moshe said, I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe someone else can do it. And God said, no. This is your mission. And (coughs) over three parshas we see Moshe little by little walking into his role last week even after he took on the mission he, he says the, the Jewish people won't listen to me if Paro's going to listen to me he says it twice he's still unsure of it he's still arguing with God by this week's Parsha though we start to see a change Moshe's not questioning God so much and even at the end of Parsha Shemot, when he goes to Paro, let my people go, and then Paro makes them make the bricks without providing straw, and the people confront Moshe and say, You said you were going to save us. Now it's worse. And Moshe goes back and says, God, what are you doing? But by the time we get to this week's Parsha, there's a little bit more confidence there. And then we see Moshe standing up to the people time and time again. And it's only at the end of the book that he says to God, like, I need some help here. And God gives him the 70 elders. But this is a story of every soul trying to come terms with its mission. So the significance, why does he have to say, Yaakov, the man and his house? Why do we have to learn that? So Rav Ginsburg said a beautiful thing that the concept of a house is a home. It's where we feel we belong. So once we have our name, once we have what we perceive to be our mission, even though there's that pull, there's always that pull. Because we're told that the Nisham is like fire. And fire always is rising above. It's always desiring to return to God. Always. But paradoxically, so you would think that the Jewish people would be the last people in the world to get anything together in this world. But the paradox is, that's the secret of the names here. Once we take upon our name even though we know that our soul is rooted above, even though we know we're returning there, even though we have this promise of reward in the world to come, we take on the mission and we feel at home. And we take on the mission so much that there's no people in all of history that is affected 
the, the world in every arena of the physical material world as a Jewish people and that becomes a tremendous paradox and, and it's, it's an ongoing existential pull Nimrod Ginsburg said about this week's Parsha this week's Parsha is Bo which is just like Ba'im coming so everyone asks why does it say Lech because usually when you talk to someone go to Paro you say Lech go here it says come to Paro so he explains that Lech reminds us of Lech Lecha the first command that Avram gets Lech Lecha but he didn't know where he was going doesn't say he says to the land that I will show you so Lech represents starting on a journey separating yeah separating leaving like it says leave your father's home and your birthplace and your country but Ba'in Ba means more you come into fully into the mission Lech is you're starting on the journey but to come means you come into it and you become the Balabite mm-hmm. and so therefore that's why we learn that <coughs> the, the most enigmatic reason given for why God created the world was that he desired a, a, a dwelling place in the lower world <coughs> And so, the, the, the Jewish neshama is totally connected to its divine source. But for God, that's also a paradox. God is infinite, eternal, beyond all description, beyond everything physical. Why would God want a dwelling place in this, the lowliest of worlds? So that's a, but that's the same story as the Jewish neshama. It's that same paradox, that same existential dilemma. But as we've learned many times, uh, as for your question before, why do we treat suicide so harshly? is because even though we have this existential paradox we're, to- we, we're told once we're sent here then all of our energy has to be here all of our energy has to be here but that's not so easy that's what I said it's, it's, a, it's a wonder that the Jewish people have been able to accomplish what they have in the world because our pull is really not in this world and so paradoxically if you remember back to the 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 series on dreams that was the symbol of the ladder that it was entrenched in the earth and its head reached the heaven and so we learn that a beautiful teaching is the connection of heaven and earth but we went one step further 
we said that there's a, a Jewish philosophy that the more you're entrenched in the earth the higher your head can be in the heavens which is not the usual way of thinking about it it's like okay there's spiritual and there's physical we have to bridge them and all of that but here it's even, it's, it becomes even more than that it reminds me of um, my you know in the creation of the world at the end of like each day you know how Hashem like I don't think it was every day I don't remember but you know he says that, and it was good created and it was good and like that the good isn't so much his evaluation and it's not so much like him evaluating for himself but it's him placing the good like down there like otherwise you know why hang out down there you know compared to up, up here I mean you know but he places it down there he deems it he puts it, the energy or whatever um, you know down there and then and then it, it holds something I just want to add to what you're saying it's a, a very very deep idea that it says in the Gemara the Midrash I'm not sure that when God wanted to create the world there was a disagreement with the angels some angels said don't create the world oh excuse me the creation of man should God create man so some angels said don't create man because he will be full of untruths be full of lies and the other group of angels said no you should create man because he will do some good things he will do acts of kindness so the Midrash ends by saying God took Emmet because the, the angel said he will not be truthful and threw it down to the earth and said from now on truth has to spring from the earth and there's a verse that the three letters is emet the first letter of these three words emet meeretz tismach that truth will spring from the earth those three words the first three letters are emet that's, that's the midrash so there's a very very deep understanding of Moshe's disagreements with God at the burning bush because and you have to read Rashi but Moshe says not just I'm not on the level but he says the Jewish people are not on the level why, why do you want to save them they're, they're really not on the level read Rashi he explains this and that's why the two signs that he gives the throwing down the staff and it turns into a snake and is putting, especially is putting his hand in his chest and it came out leprous remember the story with Miriam or anyone we're told that one of the things of speaking lush and hara is, is what we call leprosy is sarat because he spoke lush and hara against the Jewish people saying they're not on the level so there's a, there's a way of understanding that Moshe in a sense was taking the position 
of the one group of angels says don't create man they won't they won't be truthful they're not they're not on the level they're going to disappoint you and God and God is taking the other position but you know where we see this this is, this is incredible so when Moshe says who, who should I tell them sent me when I go back they're going to say who sent you what should I tell them and God says this name that only appears one time in the entire Tanakh Ekia Asher Ekia I will be that I will be so it's brought down that this word Ekia in Gematria equals 21 but it says Ekia twice so 21 times 21 equals 441 which equals Emmet truth so what is God's answer to Moshe saying they're not on the level he reveals his name Ekia Ekia is I did it already <laughs> what are you arguing about I did it already so just do what you got to do you want and then it's down there it's down there it's where you are so this Machloket also the story of Moshe at the burning bush is all of our stories. And this is Moshe trying to come to terms of who he is. What, is he, what am I supposed to do in this world? What is my relationship with God? What does he want from me? Am I in the level? <coughs> so it becomes a, 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 a model discussion here of what we go through all the time. The truth is we have these discussions with ourselves all the time. All the time. But here it's Moshe having the discussion with God. And so part of the Yitzhia Mitzrayim, and we'll, we'll, just, we'll just end with that, is part of the Yitzhia Mitzrayim is also represented by, by Moshe coming into his potential. So we see it in, in how he turns from a reluctant leader to the greatest leader. As, as the Arizal taught us, the Tzimtzum ultimately is for the good. It's not, it's not a negative uh, manifestation. It's a needed womb of creation. And that really is where we're going to take it next week is we're going to look at the, this whole paradigm as a story of birth. A whole birth story. And that's why we invoke the Ah, So that was the, the third part that we didn't get to today. And that's where we're going to start next week is every day we mention coming out of Mitzrayim. We're going to understand that. And I'll just leave you with this thought is the expression Yitzhiat Mitzrayim appears in the, in the Torah exactly 50 times. Mm-hmm. And we're going to learn why. 
So we'll end with a bracha. First of all, your image should have an aliyah to neshama. And that aliyah to neshama should be a yitzit mitzvah. From her perspective, that this year, as she goes to a new level, will start, she'll look back and see it as a yitzit mitzvah. And then also, also for you, that this is ending also a year of adjustment and transition. And then also you should go from Chayel to Chayel and also come out of Mitzray. So we, we definitely have what to meditate on here is our own. Everyone knows themselves best. Everyone knows their own Mitzrayans better than anyone else. And on the all five levels of the soul, on the behavioral, emotional, intellectual, beyond logic and divine levels, everyone more or less knows like what they have to come out of and where they need to get to. So we should meditate on on that, and we should we should all be uh, we should all be successful. <laughs>